The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Councilmember Fred Durhaw III. Present. Councilmember Coleman Young II. Here. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. Mr. Chair, you have a quorum. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Uh, next, I will ask for members to approve the minutes of last meeting. Uh, we have been provided the minutes for last meeting. Do I have a motion to approve the minutes? Motion. Hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. The minutes are approved. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Budget, Finance, and Audit Subcommittee. We are in the new year. Happy New Year, 2023. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed uh, their holiday, no matter how you celebrate. Uh, and we are excited as we are getting ready to move into budget season. Uh, and so in the next few upcoming weeks, uh, we will be hearing from various departments uh, and they will come and tell us uh, how our finances look here uh, in the city of Detroit, uh, as well as a couple other key items that are going to be coming uh, before us. And so very excited about that. Uh, and uh, look forward to a prosperous new year uh, as we continue to keep our city on the right tra track and fiscally stable. So uh, with that, uh, we will now uh, move on to our public comment. Uh, seeing no members of the public here in the audience uh, physically, uh, we will move to our virtual public comment. Uh, you will have two minutes for public comment today, uh, and we would like for you to state your name for the record before speaking. Uh, Mr. Leonard, how many callers do we have for public comment today? Good afternoon, Mr. Chair, and Happy New Year to you and the Honorable Committee members. Today, uh, we have we have five participants that are in virtual comment. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we will proceed with our first caller. First caller, you have two minutes for public comment. Uh, Mr. Leonard, who do we have? Our first caller, Mr. Chair, is Cunningham. Brother Cunningham, two minutes for public comment. State your name for the record and proceed, sir. Brother Cunningham, there is a virtual community input meeting for Detroit Department of Transportation, Thursday, January 19th, 5 p.m. Go to Detroit Department of Transportation, spell it out on Facebook, and you'll see the dates and times and the ID numbers. Anyone under the sound of my voice, anyone under the sound of my voice, I have been provided uh, flyers, about 200 flyers. If you'd like some flyers to disseminate, please call me at 313-444-9114. Also, there's a message on that number, 313-444-9114, 313-444-9114. Uh, there are three concerns. I'm praying for my mom in the nursing home there, Show Marie Lyons. Also, um, I need to find a, a pain clinic for my back. In the winter times, winter months, my leg and back are in much, much pain. And I know in the past, someone at random recognized me from asking that, and they sent me to the right spot. I need a good mechanic to repair my vehicle so I can get my mom out of the nursing home. Keep those prayers up. Um, Happy New Year, Councilman Durhall. Happy New Year, Councilwoman uh, Romero. Happy New Year, Honorable Councilman Young. 
I'm asking everyone under the sound of my voice that does speak in the Holy Spirit to drink a lot of water and uh, pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use the last 22 seconds to do that. Uh, and again, Happy New Year's, everybody. Thank you, Brother Cunningham. Mr. Leonard, who do we have next? The next caller is over with. Over with, you have two minutes for a public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Uh, for the record, my name is Reuben Crowley, Reuben James Crowley Jr. Now, uh, Councilman Duhal and Councilman Young, today I want to talk about gun stiffings. Gun stiffings have been present in every suicide by gun in the history of forensics. Every actual suicide by gun contained gun stiffings. There are no gun stiffings in the case of Kenesha Coleman, DPD case number 20-1112. The case of Kenesha Coleman, no gun stiffings. So therefore, it cannot be suicide by reasoning of common sense and the definitions of the words and the meanings of gun stippings and suicide. Now, with that being said, for the suicide tag designation classification determination to be placed on Kanisha Coleman's case by the uh, Detroit Police Department was more than just misconduct. It was intentional. And uh, the evidence supplied to the Wayne County Medical Examiner of a Facebook post and some lie detector tests is not tangible evidence to change a, a scientific medical examination. So therefore, there's an air of criminality in this whole scenario. Now, you got a councilman, James Tate, James E. Tate, on the city council that worked for the police department. He knows all too well what I'm saying is the truth, but he has not relayed that information to the rest of the council members. Next week on Tuesday, you have the ability to vote and pass a resolution on whether or not gun stippings and suicide must be present um, in order for there to be a suicide. Thank you, Mr. Crowley. Uh, who do we have next, Mr. Leonard? Next caller is D2 Victimized Detroit Retiree. D2 Victimized Detroit Retiree, you have two minutes for public comment. Please state your name for the record and proceed. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Happy New Year and welcome back. Uh, my name is Karen Winston. I'm a retiree uh, victimized, of course, from Detroit. So today I'd like to speak on um, a couple things. One thing I want to speak on is I want to speak on, uh, I spoke on it earlier uh, at the um, uh, meeting that preceded you guys. But this is uh, um, at Public Act 278, and both you guys have, have been around uh, up in Lansing, so you should know um, what, you know, what, what that 278 um, is. Uh, 1980 is the year. So anyway, that's about 
not hiring or not letting contracts to individuals that have um, the failure to correct unfair labor practices. So these contracts and things and these, you know, all these uh, um, uh, abatements and things that we're giving, we've got to make sure this, that needs to be in the contract, your contracts. It's supposed to be in your contracts. So we're going to have to do that, uh, get that in there. Uh, but we can't find the list. You've got to call the state to get the list so it's nowhere handy. So I know nobody knows about that list because <laughs> I went looking for it, but I just kept ending back at call the state, call the state, call the state. So we got to get that list. Um, one other thing is, um, where did that one go? Oh yeah, the city departments. When I, I was looking at the uh, the city departments and I see like the airport is listed as a department and the Detroit building authority is listed as a department, but then the, you know, things that are mandated by the charter say, for instance, public lighting is not there, and it is mandated uh, by the charter. So, you know, it's one of the core um, departments. So you can't just toss it and, you know, not list it and then list other things in its place. I want to mention that. And other than that, um, you guys, I'm glad you're going to speak on the, the city uh, retirees' pensions because I'm very interested in that. And I'm glad we we're showing some uh, transparency with all of these reports you're giving. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Winston. Uh, for the record, public comment is now closed. We have left it open for a while. Uh, public comment is now closed. We will continue with the remainder of our callers who have had their hand raised before public comment was closed. Mr. Leonard, who do we have next? Mr. Chair, final caller is Carol Hughes. Ms. Hughes, you have two minutes for public comment. Please, uh, please state your name for the record and proceed. Good afternoon, Honorable Body. This is Carolyn Hughes. Uh, may I speak? You may. Um, I, I'm looking at um, your 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 budget um, audit, and I would like to know if we can have an explanation of the ARPA funds uh, that are listed in the audit. I think that's the operative uh, name of your committee is the audit committee and so 6.9 is uh supposedly ARPA money that uh is supposedly spent i would i would also like to 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 have an audit of the amc um project uh as councilwoman waters mentioned uh we don't want another stellanist uh over in that area so you know that there are going to be uh some things that are toxic that are being moved so why don't we be uh, proactive with the residents and um you know make sure that their quality of life is maintained as best possible um even though they didn't dump the toxin and i think the state should find out who actually dumped them and, and charge those people for the dumping and i'd also like to lodge a complaint of a sign that is in arabic on plymouth i don't i've been to many foreign countries and um they they their their billboards are written in their language. Um, I don't know that the majority of the people in the city of Detroit speak anything other than English. Uh, and this is for jobs. I have no idea. They could be calling me all kinds of names. Um, also, um, I would like to talk about your pilot program 6.1, 6.2. I'd like to have an audit of how these things are benefiting the public, the citizens. Uh, and I'd like to offer up another pilot program. How about the citizens not pay the city any taxes as a pilot program in lieu of taxes? And they fix their own houses since uh, this administration and with help from this council steal all of the uh, community money. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, Ms. Hughes. Uh, that concludes public comment. Uh, and if uh, anyone was listening relative to the ARPA, when we get to the ARPA discussion, um, we will go in depth of where the fund status is uh, for ARPA. Uh, next, we move to unfinished business. Uh, line item 5.1, uh, status of Council Member Durhall, request to review the state of Detroit retirees' retiree payment and upcoming pension payments relative to the 2023-2024 budget. Do I have a motion to open this up for discussion? Motion. Okay. Uh, if you can remember, as of yesterday, colleagues, uh, this was put on the agenda uh, after uh, a member of the public called in asking questions relative to this. Uh, we will need some time to gather information so we can have a robust, uh, robust discussion uh, and or presentation on this. Uh, I am asking for a three-week bring back for line item 5.1. Do we have a motion to bring back line item 5.1 within three weeks? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 5.1 will be brought back in three weeks. Next, we will move on to our new business uh, from the Office of the Assessor. Uh, line item 6.1, submitting a resolution of authorization for 10201 Woodward 4% Limited Dividend Housing Association LLC payment in lieu of taxes, otherwise known as Pilot. MHT Housing, Inc. and Mooney Real Estate Holdings have formed 10201 Woodward 4% Limited Dividend Housing Association LLC uh, in order to develop the project known as Cathedral Arts Apartment. The LDHA owns Unit 2 of the Cathedral Arts Apartment Condominium, a mixed-use new construction development structure as three separate condominium units in one four-story building. Unit 2 consists of 27 apartments in an area bounded by Calvert on the north, Woodward on the east, Glen Court on the south, and second on the west. The project will include 27 two-bed, one-bath, 785-square-foot apartments. The site will also include first-floor Woodward-facing 6,700 square, 6, square feet of commercial space, half of which will be a sacred art museum and exhibit space. I do have a motion to open up line item 6.1 for discussion, members. Motion. Okay, and members, I would ask that we open up line item 6.2 and take these both at the same time, uh, considering that they're both from MHT Housing and both dealing with Cathedral Arts Apartments. So I have a motion to do that. Motion. Okay, and just for transparency, the line item 6.2, which we're opening up, the units that are contained within Unit 1 consist of 26 apartments in an area bounded by Calvert on the north, Woodward on the east, Glen Court on the south, and second on the west. And this project will include 26 two-bed, one-bath, 785-square-foot apartments. The site will also include first-floor Woodward-facing 6,700 square feet of commercial space, half of which will be, again, the Sacred Art Museum and exhibit space. Uh, so we are now open for discussion for line items 6.1 and 6.2. I believe we have Mr. Peter Tellerico on as well as Ms. Burke uh, to let us know about uh, this project. Uh, good afternoon, uh, Mr. Chair. Um, I'd like to introduce uh, Peter Tellerico. He's from MHT and he will make his presentation about line items uh, 6.1 and 6.2. Okay, Mr. Tallarico, please proceed and let us know what is going on with the Cathedral Arts Apartments in this project. Sure, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Chair, Mr. Vice Chair, and Member Santiago Romero, and uh, thank you for your time and consideration on this. Um, I do have a presentation to share. 
Um, I'm going to, I, it says uh, host disabled the screen sharing. If I may have access, please. Mr. Leonard, would you please give Mr. Tellerico sharing capabilities? Sharing has been enabled. Okay. Um, can you guys see that screen? Yes, we can. Great. Um, well, thank you. And, and again, my name is Peter Tellerico. Uh, I'm representing MHT Housing Inc., a nonprofit affordable housing developer uh, with more than 6,500 units across the state of Michigan and more than 2,000 of those units located within the city of Detroit. Um, uh, today, uh, we are requesting two pilot approvals uh, for the Cathedral Arts Apartments. This project is a new construction, affordable multifamily development located in the Arden Park neighborhood of Detroit and features 53 two-bedroom units uh, with first floor commercial space. In the attached aerial view, um, the site is located directly across from the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament and just north of the historic Boston Edison neighborhood. Um, it's important to note that MHC Housing Inc. is co-developing this affordable housing project with uh, the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament or Mooney Real Estate Holdings um, in the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, moving forward, the attached shows the project's architectural site plan. As briefly mentioned, this will be a singular building featuring 53 units, all of which will be 100% affordable. <clears throat> the development team is asking for two separate pilots uh, on the project as it features a unique financing structure um, whereby we're combining 4% and 9% loan housing tax credits in one single building. Um, and therefore, 26 of the 53 units will be owned. Uh, by the 9% LIHTC condo and uh, 27 of the 53 will be owned by the 4% LIHTC condo. Um, as you can see on the screen, here's a uh, rendering of the proposed development on uh, the Woodward Northwest facing view. And uh, just a quick summary of the pertinent facts. Um, as briefly mentioned, you know, it'll contain 53 two bedroom apartment units um, reserved for families. Um, that'll meet the following affordable definitions. Um, <clears throat> four of the units will be reserved for families at or below 30% of area median income. Um, again, they're all, all, all of these unit types are 785 square feet and two bedroom units. Um, and the, the rental rate for those four units will be $540 per month. Um, there'll be 16 units financed uh, with uh, Detroit Housing Commission Section 8 vouchers. Um, and in those cases, those units, the residents will pay no more than 30% of their income, um, whatever that income is. Six of the units will be reserved for families uh, at 40% of area median income or below. Um, the rent will be $800 a month for those units. And finally, 27 of the units will be reserved for families at or below 60% of area median income. Um, and they will be, uh, the posted rent will be $960 per month for those units, for two bedroom units. Um, in addition, the project will feature six barrier-free units. They'll meet ADA compliance. Um, there'll be free on-site parking for residents uh, with 62 spaces available. Um, and, uh, you know, again, we're just seeking the council support and consideration for two separate pilots and this one given the unique financing structure for the development. Thank you very much. Members, any questions? Chair recognizes member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Mr. Chair, um, and thank you so much for giving us that overview. Um, I'm excited to hear about projects like these. My one question is, do you have an outreach plan? Will you be working with the church, or who will you be bringing into these units? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, we do have an outreach plan, and, and actually, um, our partners, specifically the cathedral themselves, are um, have been doing community outreach with the local block groups in the area, um, as well as um, with members of their parish as well. So um, we do think that there should be uh, substantial community outreach, especially once we start construction. There'll be plenty of outreach. Okay. Wonderful. Because I, I I definitely want folks. Um, in the area, in the city, um, that need access to units like these to be um, front in line. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Uh, again, can we just uh, reiterate or touch on parking for these uh, units? Yes, Mr. Chair. Uh, there'll be 62 units on site, and they'll be free for the residents. Well, I, I like to hear that. That's it. We're moving in the right direction. Uh, any other questions? Okay, uh, hearing none, uh, can we move on uh, to, we will move on to uh, 6.2, is that still included or did you, in one or do you have any additional for 6.2? No, it's, it's the same presentation for both. It's just like, a, like as previously mentioned, just one more time, it's, it is one building with two separate kind of condos given the financing structure, but um, it, they're combined in the presentation. Okay, all right. Uh, members, do have a motion for line items 6.1 and 6.2 to send to formal with a recommendation to approve? Motion. Okay, hearing no objections, line items 6.1 and 6.2 will be sent to formal with a recommendation to approve. Thank you very much, Mr. Tallarico. Ms. Burke, Happy New Year. And look Same forward to you. seeing you again Thank soon. You. Thank you. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Next, we will move on uh, under the Board of Review, line item 6.3, submitting a report relative to homeowners' property tax exemption, otherwise known as HOPE, deadline change in accordance with the MCL 211.7U of the General Property Tax Act. The City of Detroit offers a tremendous opportunity to our low-income housing or homeowners that are struggling with the payment of their property taxes. Uh, I do have a motion to open up line item 6.3 for discussion. Motion. So, members, uh, we have spoken uh, with the Board of Review. They are requesting a one-week bring back so we can discuss this thoroughly. Uh, do I have a motion to bring back line item 6.3 in one week? Motion. Okay, hearing no objections, line item 6.3 will be brought back in one week. Next, we move to the Office of the Chief Financial Officer. Uh, line item 6.4, submitting a report relative to the financial report for the four months ended October 31st, 2022. Uh, do I have a motion to open up line item 6.4 for discussion? Motion. Okay. Uh, and I believe we have Mr. Watson on the line who will be discussing actually our next three items, but we're going to deal with 6.4 first. Uh, as the public may note, uh, we always go over these. Uh, as customary here in BF BFA. Uh, but Mr. Watson, please let us know about our financial report for the four months ended October 31st, 2022. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair, uh, and happy to be here. Um, so the, the first report is the monthly financial report through, uh, through October. Um, and so we're catching up a little bit on some reports that are a little old um, for everyone's benefit. The November report will be issued, I think, by the end of this week. So we'll be you know, talking about that very soon, too. Um, so the October report, you know, trends are sort of following the same pattern we've seen, you know, throughout the fiscal year where, um, you know, our income tax revenues are running a little bit ahead of budget, which is, um, you know, 
uh, something we talked about at the September revenue estimating conference as well. So the you know the revenue gains that we talked about back in the fall are you know are continuing to trend in that direction as we see actual revenues coming in. Um, yeah, you know, we're still seeing a little bit of uh, slippage at the on-site activity at the casinos, but a lot of that's being made up for with the new internet gaming revenues. And then on spending, um, you know, as we've talked about, uh, talked about in the fall as well, uh, all those new revenues are being uh, consumed by some higher overtime costs and public safety, uh, as well as the uh, the additional cost that we're going to start incurring um, in future periods for the the new uh, police officer pay raises that the city council approved back in November. Uh, so, as in future reports, you'll start seeing that show up in the actual activity. In the projection slide on this report, we uh, we show that uh, we're projecting that those increased costs uh, for the the new uh, labor contracts for our police officers. Um, Mr. Watson, not, and, to, not to interrupt, yeah. is it possible that, uh, I, I, don't, I know we have it, and it has been sent to our offices in electronic form. Uh, do you have it pulled up where we can share um, with the public, particularly uh, the uh, budget projections, the annual, annualized as well as the budget versus actual? No, thank you very much. That's a great idea. I'll pull it up right now. Thank you. And while we're waiting, Mr. Leonard, please uh, grant Mr. Watson uh, sharing capabilities. So for everyone's benefit. So yes, this is the report we're talking about. Um, you can find all of these monthly financial reports on the city of Detroit, uh, Office of the Chief Financial Officer website um, under financial reports. And then there's a, a drop down further down for monthly reports. Um, this being the most recent one for the four months ended in October. Um, as we've talked about in prior months, there's a, a variety of reports included here, including budget versus actual, uh, annualized projections, employee count monitoring, uh, income tax collections, cash position, and accounts payable. Uh, our focus is usually often pretty heavily on the budget matters. Um, as I was talking uh, through earlier, this is show. This slide is showing actual performance for the month of October and year to date for the fiscal year, which is July through October. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, income tax is running ahead of budget, which was something we were ex we've been expecting since the fall. Um, the activity at the casinos is running a bit behind. Um, um, we're, we have a bit more in revenue sharing because the state budget uh, provided increases there. Um, in the annualized projection, as we were talking about, this has been updated to reflect the results of the September revenue estimating conference. You'll see here that versus the original budget, the council approved back in April, uh, revenues are expected to be $42 million higher, primarily driven by income tax. Um, but we're expecting that we're going to need to spend that additional revenues um, on uh, higher labor costs. Uh, some of it's um, uh, overtime that has been trending above budget, but the larger share of it is the new police labor contracts that council approved back in uh, November and we, and we discussed at that time. Uh, and so that's why you're seeing that projection here. Um, uh, overall, you're seeing that, of course, the city maintains a balanced budget. Um, this is showing that you know, all the um, all spending is supported by revenues. Um, and uh, as I know, um, 
uh, we discussed in past months as well. Uh, we just finished our audit for the fiscal year that um, fiscal year 22 that ended back in June. Uh, I know there's going to be some sub substantial reporting coming up uh, in the weeks ahead on that as well. Um, that being the comprehensive uh, report for the whole year uh, for last year. And then we know that we're coming up pretty soon here on budget season where uh, we're going to have, I guess, just give people a preview. On February 13th, we'll have our February Revenue Estimating Conference, which will be, of course, a public meeting um, held both here at KMAC and um, and uh, online virtually. That'll set the revenues for next year's budget. And then uh, the mayor will deliver his budget uh, in early March for the council's consideration. And as uh, uh, Mr. Chair, you alluded to earlier, uh, a big hallmark of that uh, fiscal year 24 budget proposal will be the city resuming to pay its legacy pension contributions per the uh, bankruptcy plan of adjustment. So all of the discussion um, you've raised today and we're going to have in the three week bring back is going to be very timely for that upcoming uh, uh, big part of the budget that's going to be coming up here in the months ahead. Thank you very much, Mr. Watson. Before I move to member questions, uh, Mr. Corley, would you like to chime in? Good afternoon, Mr. Chair and um, committee, committee members. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Glad to be back. And I'm excited like you are, Mr. Chair. <laughs> uh, I do not. Um, you know, as you know, we typically have questions, but uh, Mr. Watson and his team are very thorough as usual. So no questions. <laughs> Thank you very much, and Happy New Year to you, too, Mr. Courtley. Uh, members, any questions? Okay. Uh, hearing none, uh, do I have a motion to receive and file line item 6.4? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.4 will be received and filed. Uh, next, we move to line item 6.5, usual suspect, uh, Mr. Watson again. Uh, this is for large events reporting through September 30, 2022, quarter one of fiscal year 2022-2023, the 2019 Detroit City Code section 17-3-7 mandates the quarterly reporting of any revenue received by the city for the use of facilities, personnel services, or resources of the city's public safety departments in conjunction with or in support of a large special event for which a council-approved permit was required with anticipated or actual attendance in excess of 1,500 persons. Uh, do I have a motion to open up line item 6.5 for discussion? Motion. All right. Uh, Mr. Watson, please proceed. Let us know about our large events reporting and revenue that we have received. Uh, yes, thank you again, Mr. Chair. So um, this is a great report that the, um, the OCFO puts out uh, quarterly uh, in accordance with uh, an ordinance that was approved by uh, the City Council um, uh, uh, some while ago, I think it was a couple of years ago. Um, and, and the purpose of this report is to communicate not only to the to the council, but of course the public, um, the the revenues the city is collecting uh, from these large events. I mean, so the issue here is, and folks see this, you know, um, uh, in town all the time. You know, we have a large event like a concert or or um, or things like the auto show, and that necessarily requires um, some kind of additional 
um, uh, police presence to, you know, control, you know, the traffic or to, you know, you think of like when we have to do road closures and the like. And when we do that, the event itself reimburses the city for those additional overtime costs and the like at various set rates. And so what this report, you know, proves out to folks is that, you know, these a bit large events that have been happening in town where it's in excess of 1500 persons attending um, and each event is named here and we keep track that the city is, you know, collecting these reimbursements uh, for, for its additional costs it's incurring to support the event. And so as you can see, like, some of the larger ones is the, you know, the Rocket Mortgage PGA Tour golf event. Um, and then certainly, and, and I'm sorry, to back up, this report is for the first quarter of this fiscal year, so July through September. And so then each subsequent quarter, we add another three months worth of activity. And so you can see here, um, there's a lot of sports events, concerts. Um, the largest one on here was the auto show at $155,000 for um uh, for the additional um, uh, fire department uh, presence there. Uh, and again, I mean, a lot of concerts, you know, the, um, you know, whether it's at Little Caesars Arena, Ford Field and the like, all total for the first three months of the fiscal year, a half a million dollars in revenue to support those costs. That's always, you know, th these amounts have always been part of our budget. I mean, this isn't a new thing. This is something that happens every year to varying degrees, just based on the number of events. Certainly during the pandemic, we saw a substantial decrease in this revenue. Um, uh, and so now that we're back to having events in the city, you know, for a while now, this has, you know, come back uh, as a, a part of our budget to help support these uh, public safety costs that directly support the events. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Watson. And uh, I would say this is a great uh, ordinance. This is a great report to show uh, how we're utilizing or receiving that revenue for these events. I know often members of the public have questions relative <coughs> to when they see either DPD or DFD uh, downtown at events. Uh, and so this is uh, provides some transparency relative to revenue and money we get back uh, for those service at those events. And so very great report. Uh, members, any questions? Chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, just following up to that comment about the public, um, they also wonder how much um, are we taxiing per event? Um, you mentioned that these are for large events, but I'm wondering, is there an equation per game? We charge X amount of taxes, or what does that look like per event? Um, uh, through the chair uh, to member Santiago Romero, um, we could follow up with you on that. I don't have the exact rate schedule handy, but we could certainly supply uh, and pr provide that to the to the members, or or otherwise also provide a um, an update at at a, one of the next BFNA meetings. I know there's like an established schedule. I just don't have it handy to know what the exact rates are. And we could even probably uh, post that somewhere too for people to see. Okay, that would be lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Mm -hmm. Chair recognizes, thank you, Member Santiago Romero, pardon me. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Yeah, um, kind of just a clarification off the, the previous question, cause, and, and forgive my ignorance, because from, from my understanding, this is a, these are charges for uh, special event permits, right? So uh, through the chair to the member, so separate from the, the permit itself, um, or I guess, frankly, maybe in part of the permitting process, 
is um, you know the the event requests a certain amount of police or fire um, support, right. and then and then they pay per um, you know per the the rates or the formula a, a certain amount. Like so, it might be based on well, I need X number of officers for this many hours, and thus it equates to this much of a cost. And that's why you see the amounts per event vary considerably because it kind of depends on how long was the event and how substantial was the presence like hence why the auto show one was by far the largest because it was a multi-day event with um a substantial presence whereas a concert that's just for a few hours in the evening might be substantially smaller so 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 those are separate right that's not factored into the permit that's because it may and forgive my interest again because i'm thinking all that is factored into like you pay the permit and then you know plus your police officers all that's kind of factored in what you're saying is that's separate so it's like you pay your money for the permit and then you pay you know depending on how many police officers you need you understand what i'm saying to you yeah, through the chair, um, to Member Young. I mean, so I can I can confirm all that. But yes, my understanding is is the same as yours. That you know, if I'm if I'm holding an event at Hart Plaza, I mean, there's right. additional costs that go with that. Like I'm renting Hart Plaza, I'm getting a permit for a large event versus you know something that's otherwise privately hosted, like at Little Caesars Arena. You know, you're not necessarily getting a permit to have a concert at at the arena, right. but, you, but you do need authority to have the additional, police. you know, police presence okay. outside the, the event. Uh, so it's yeah, a combination of things. And you're right, this ordinance is specific to the additional public safety cost. And you're absolutely right that on top of that, depending on the event and you know what it entails, there may be additional, you know, um, fees or costs that are being paid, especially if it's being hosted on like city property versus, um, you know, like, like a car plaza, for instance. Um, so that that would, uh, you know, I think be either a separate revenue stream or just a separate process. Okay, I see what you're saying. So just just, just to, to clarify again, I just make sure I got it straight. So basically what you're saying is, you know, depending on where you're at, you're on city property, you got to get a permit. And then on top of that, you got to have the police is there depending on how much, you know, what kind of size event it's going to be or something like that. But if it's at like a little series arena, obviously you don't need a permit for that, but you need police or you need special services from the city for that. So you would have to pay for that. And that adjusts according to what your needs are and where your location of the event is. Right. Uh, yes, through the chair. I mean, that's my understanding. And certainly we can get some more details too to kind of give you those other pieces. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Any other questions from members? Okay, hearing none, do I have a motion to receive and file line item 6.5? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 6.5 will be received and put on file. Next, we move to line item 6.6, submitting a report relative to financial report for the three months ended September 30 of 2022. Uh, we don't have to go deep into this. We just uh, did the one for October, uh, but we'll give... Uh, Mr. Watson, an opportunity just to uh, talk about what changed between September and October. Uh, members do have a motion to open up line item 6.6 for discussion. Motion. Okay. Mr. Watson, please proceed. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And yes, I'll be very brief because, you know, so as, as we were talking about earlier, this report is actually a, little, a month older. So it's not, you know, the earlier report we discussed is the, was the latest and greatest. Um, but a couple of interesting things about this report is so the, the budget and financial trends are largely the same. But this, since it's uh, the September 30th report, every quarter we include additional reports. And again, these reports are all on the city's website. Um, 
And so this report includes, uh, in addition to the ones we discussed earlier, um, uh, a quarterly property tax report, investment portfolio summary, pension payments, and debt service. And to that end, um, since it was a topic earlier, you know, I'll be very brief, but you know, an inter- a good report in this, and it was part of, um, I think, some of the dialogue uh, the members were having is there's this pen- quarterly pension payments report, which shows um, the pension payments the city is making during the course of the fiscal year. And so, as you can see, for the first quarter of fiscal year 23, you know, we, we have a variety of different pension payments that are all part of the budget. Um, uh, the, the committee will recall um, the city has a, a hybrid pension plan um, that is for active employees currently, and we pay um, uh, we pay a percentage of payroll that's in the budget and gets remitted to the pension system on a quarterly basis, um, and that includes um, uh, general city, DDOT, water, water and sewer, library, in the library. Um, the legacy pension plan, which is um, you know the bigger issue we were talking about earlier with respect to the budget and and resuming making those contributions in fiscal year 24. So as you can see, we don't make payments to that currently because the money going to uh, from the uh, city of Detroit bucket because the money going to that today is coming from the water and sewer department and Great Lakes Water Authority and the Foundation for Detroit's Future, uh, which we'll talk about more when we come back in three weeks. And then also importantly, though, where the city budget is contributing a substantial amount, even currently, is the what's called the Retiree Protection Fund. And so in the fiscal year 23 budget, we had $90 million in the budget to go into our trust fund, which is our sort of reserve fund to help with making the required pension contributions that begin in fiscal year 24. Um, the, the council approved a budget in April that included $90 million to go into that trust as a contribution. And that contribution was made during the first quarter of the fiscal year. It's already been provided to the trust um, per what was budgeted. Um, and again, you know, uh, like I said, there's additional reports in here, which are valuable for folks to look at. There's a quarterly property tax report that shows collections to date versus um, the, the full property tax billing. So a lot of great information that's on our website um, to dive into various layers of the city's finance. Again, if you go to the Office of the Chief Financial Officer website and navigate to financial reports, you can see all of our monthly financial reports going back every month for several years um, just to see you know, uh, how the city has been performing and to, you know, and just for the kind of full transparency of, you know, uh, how much money is coming in and how much money is going out. Okay. Any further questions? Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Thank you, Mr. Watson. Thank you. Excellent job as always, sir. I I just wanted to ask you, uh, as you're well aware, uh, the unemployment rate is, I think, it's around 6.7%. It's under 7% the first time in about 20 years. It's about 11,000 jobs that are now available. Has there been any analysis in terms of how much revenue, tax revenue, we bring in per new job created in the city? Um, um, yeah, uh, through the chair to member Young. I mean, so you hear a lot of that, too, in some of the discussion around economic development projects, including even the, the District Detroit discussion at the Neighborhood Advisory uh, a council meeting that was last night um, that, um, you know, when we create these additional jobs and depending on the type of job, it, it will right. yield additional income tax revenue to the city. Um, you know, as we know, the the sort of potential, you know, wages for various jobs can certainly vary and will, you know, drive that calculation. Um, but certainly as we grow employment in the city, 
um, you know, among city residents, um, as well as even commuters, it, it, you know, can, you know, it certainly helps with our bottom line on income tax. And we've been seeing that every year when income tax beats our original budget projection, because, you know, so much, um, you know, new development has been happening in the city, which then gives us greater flexibility, uh, in what we can fund in the budget, um, one thing to stay tuned for is probably by the end of the month, if not early next month, we'll be uh, issuing with the University of Michigan our latest uh, economic forecast for Detroit. So we did one back in August, which we call it the summer forecast. And then the winter forecast will be released, uh, like I said, hopefully by the end of the month. Um, it's almost done now. Um, and then that will roll into our February revenue estimating conference. And what we expect that to show in line with what the University of Michigan um, reported, I think back even in November, about the state economy and the national economy is that, you know, the current consensus is that there will be a recession in calendar year 2023, albeit a relatively minor one. And so what we, we do expect to see some impact on, um, on, uh, on our wages and employment trends that feed into income tax from that, you know, nothing that I, I would expect to be uh, overly dramatic, but just certainly an impact from it. Um, uh, and we've seen that in some of the announcement recently as certain, you know, um, as certain uh, new developments have been delayed a little bit, but certainly are still happening and thus, you know, will benefit us in the long run. Okay. Um, no, no, thank you for that. And I, 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 I appreciate that. I also wanted to ask you, do you have an analysis of how many of the affordable housing units built have actually been occupied? Uh, through the chair of member young, I do not have that personally. Yeah. We could certainly reach out to the housing department to see if that's um, some information they have, or if we have that someplace else. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you, mm -hmm. chair. Thank you, Vice Chair Young, and I have a few questions, but I'll keep them reserved uh, for when we have our discussion on retirement. But again, I uh, appreciate you speaking about the contribution of $90 million. Obviously, we did last budget cycle. Uh, I will ask one question uh, based on trends uh, as we look at uh, inflation, uh, the possibility or this, you know, I, I, I try not to say the R word, uh, but uh, do we anticipate uh, just you know, simply, uh, we may uh, have to add more, may have to add less uh, this upcoming budget cycle to ensure that we are going to uh, meet our obligation in 2024. Uh, yes, thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Um, it's a great question. We, right, between, you know, the sort of current economic uncertainty and how it may affect our budget, you know, current thinking is, you know, you know, it may simply just kind of slow some of our revenue growth rather than certainly be any kind of contraction of revenues like we saw during the pandemic. Um, but, you know, in addition to you know, economic risk, um, where where that rolls into the pension most dramatically is on the investment performance of the pension funds themselves. So for the prior fiscal year, the pension plan investment returns were well below target. I mean, as people think about, you know, you hear in the news or maybe even in your own sort of 401ks and retirement accounts and things like that, that, you know, the stock market you know, wasn't so uh, friendly over the past year uh, and continues to, uh, and that trend is certainly continuing right now. And so those sort of below target returns uh, drive up the pension liability and thus would drive up the required contribution from the city, all else equal. Um, so certainly important thing for us to watch. Um, and so uh, exactly to your point, you know, putting additional dollars into the retired protection fund ensures we have uh adequate stability um, and flexibility 
you know, given that moving target of what the pension contribution is going to be. Um, and so um, it's, you know, we're, and Mr. Corley asked this just the other day, um, are we considering proposing additional funding for the trust fund? Uh, and the answer is yes, certainly we're considering it. Um, you know, as we're working, we're in prime of budget season right now, putting together the mayor's budget. And so, you know, we're evaluating all our options and needs and we'll be bringing forth a recommendation to council uh, as part of the, you know, as part of, um, you know, as part of this committee and the overall budget process on, on how we're going to tackle that. But totally agree. Um, additional funding for that trust fund, you know, um, absolutely helps us kind of weather the uncertainty of the environment we're in right now. Thank you very much, Mr. Watson. Uh, seeing no other questions. Oh, I'm sorry, pardon me, Mr. Corley. Uh, would you like to chime in? Your mic, Mr. Corley. Thank you. The reason I asked that question, Mr. Watson, about the potential of putting more money into the retiree protection funds, because as of June 30, 2022, the city ended up with a $230 million surplus. And so hopefully the administration uh, will consider putting more money, not only in the in retiree protection fund, but also in the uh, rainy day fund. So that's why I asked the question. Thank you, Mr. Corley. Appreciate that. And, and, and again, looking forward to our discussion in a few weeks uh, relative to our retirement, uh, as well as some other discussions we're going to be having in the next uh, few weeks uh, relative to our budget. So. Uh, thank you, as always. Members, we have a motion to receive and file line item 6.6. .6. Motion. Line item 6.6 .6 will be received and put on file. Next, we move to the Legislative Policy Division. Line item 6.7, .7, submitting a report relative to the fiscal review of the proposed capital agenda of proposed capital agenda, pardon me, fiscal year 2023 to 2024 through 2027 and 2028, uh, November 1, 2022, in accordance with the Detroit City Charter, the administration presented to council the proposed five-year capital agenda for the fiscal years 2024 through 2028. Here in this report is the Legislative Policy Division's fiscal review of the proposed capital agenda. Uh, members of this committee can remember when we were presented with the capital agenda, and now here today we get to hear from our Legislative Policy Division. Uh, Mr. Corley, and I'm sure Mr. Todd is online, or it will just be you today, Mr. Corley. Mr. Chair, I believe uh, Mr. Todd um, from the City Planning Commission perspective, and also would like for uh, Renee Short, okay. uh, who has a PowerPoint presentation on the proposed capital agenda. If she can join us and present that PowerPoint, it would be great. Absolutely, and Mr. Leonard would please promote Ms. Short and uh, give her the access to the sharing capabilities. Mr. Chair, did you want a motion to discuss? Pardon me. Thank you, <laughs> Madam Parliamentarian. You caught me one time. Uh, do we have a motion to, line, to, to discuss line item 6.7, members? motion thank you now we will discuss again thank you madam parliamentarian okay uh who would like to go first again good afternoon miss short uh mr todd uh who would like to go first mr todd would you like to go first or would you like for me to present so the chair excuse me Mr. Todd, you're still muted. Thank you. 
My apologies. Uh, again, good afternoon. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Ms. Short. Uh, Mr. Chair, my presentation concerns the timeline and guidance for how to conduct the review. I can start with that if you'd like, and then Ms. Short can follow with the uh, overview uh, from the fiscal perspective of LPD. Yeah, that would that would be great, Mr. Uh, Todd. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, again, good afternoon to you and members of this honorable committee. Uh, as you will glean from the memo that we circulated yesterday relative to the process, um, there are a number of things that the charter stipulates in terms of the review of uh, the proposed capital agenda, and it has been the Planning Commission's uh, practice uh, for the last few decades to help conduct that, uh, even while the Planning Commission itself is in review of the document. The uh, first item of note concerns the uh, council's authority over the document. The charter indicates that the council can delete any of the listed projects, um, but the council will be unable to modify them or to actually add projects unless and until you have sought recommendation of the planning director. Now, this provision is an old provision that we have uh, sought to uh, maybe have changed in the charter uh, over the last couple of times it was amended, but that did not take place. Uh, so there have been, again, decades worth of practices in interpreting what that actually means. What, council had, what council's practice has in fact been is to make that request in the form of a resolution, but included with that resolution are council's initial questions, concerns, and possible uh, additions or alterations to the document so that there's actually something that we're asking the administration to respond to. While the charter says that it is directed at the planning director, in fact, we know particularly under this administration that uh, the responsibility has been led even more so by our uh, office of the CFO, uh, of course, the inclusive of the budget department. So uh, what we are suggesting is that uh, this honorable committee make the request of, its, uh, of your colleagues to provide such information uh, no later than uh, the close of business next Friday, which will allow staff the opportunity to compile uh, council's collective questions, concerns, uh, again, possible additions or alterations uh, into a single document and put that under a cover of a resolution that would fulfill the requirement of the charter to, again, make requests for recommendations of the planning director. Once that is done, once that process is done, council will then be uh, in the position of further altering the document beyond just deleting projects. The planning director will have 30 days to respond and um, the council would not be bound by any of the recommendations that do come from that response. You would be free to consider them uh, and go forward. If in fact you are able to do as I have suggested, again, that would be uh, that would require uh, action at your formal session of January 24th uh, in order to advance the, in order to uh, uh, act on that resolution and advance the request to the planning director. Uh, and their response would then be due uh, to council by February 23rd. 
if, in fact, you believe that it is possible to do it earlier, again, noted in our memo, and that information could be received by the end of this week, staff could compile the resolution and make it ready for action at your formal section, section next Tuesday on uh, January the 17th, in which case then the administration would have uh, until uh, February 16th to provide that response. Lastly, then, uh, Mr. Chair, committee members, uh, there is the well, two remaining points in terms of what the charter requires. Charter also requires that you hold a public hearing on the proposed uh, capital agenda, and that will require a specific uh, provisions be placed into the notice, which we will prepare and work with the clerk. Uh, and uh, 14 days notice is required public notice is required uh, prior to your public hearing. Also with placement of the proposed capital agenda uh, at various locations uh, around the city, libraries, city facilities, and of course the web, making it accessible to the public uh, for review. We are suggesting that council look to hold that public hearing on Wednesday, February 15th. Uh, think that there would be ample time between now and then, again, to prepare the necessary notice, have the document placed in the appropriate locations, and then uh, have that notice released um, in order to provide the 14-day notice. And lastly, your honorable body must act on this document no later than March 1st. Otherwise, if the council fails to act, the charter indicates that the proposed capital agenda is deemed approved as originally submitted. Since you have a formal session on the 28th, we think that that would provide ample opportunity for you to conduct your final deliberations, whatever may be remaining in response to what you have received from the administration and to act upon the document at that time. And that completes the uh, overview of the timeline and guidance for your review of the proposed capital agenda. Thank you, Mr. Todd. Uh, we will have some questions for you, so please hang around. Uh, Ms. Short, please proceed. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, good afternoon to this honorable body. Um, I'm going to attempt to share my screen. Okay. Um, can everyone see the full um, screen? Yes, we can. Okay. Thank you. So I want to begin, uh, as you stated, Mr. Chair, that this is a requirement of the city charter and Article 8, Section 202 um, outlines the information that should be included in the capital agenda. It also um, sets the date that this capital agenda should be submitted in, by November the 1st in each even-numbered year. 
it is a best practice of the Government Finance Officers Association that governments present a multi-year capital plan to effectively manage capital assets. And so what we want to emphasize here is that this is a planning document that no funds are appropriated during this process, and there's no legal authority to spend on the projects. That type of authority comes from the budget process. And so here we're simply presenting uh, a plan, a roadmap on the direction the city uh, wants to go down um, with capital improvements. The focus of this year uh, capital improvement plan, the proposed capital agenda, again, is on maintaining existing assets, uh, restoring facilities to a state of good repair, um, improving our infrastructure, that includes the water and sewage improvements and uh, street resurfacing and rehabilitation projects. It also includes um, new investments which is um, funding for additional funding for Joe Lewis Greenway and streetscape projects. And then the ongoing capital improvement program from uh, DDOT where they replace their buses. The proposed capital agenda is a $2.4 billion plan it includes $710 million of uh, funds appropriated in the current 22-23 budget and then the plan itself. The plan is organized into six categories. That's health and public safety, housing and economics, Development, open spaces, and recreation, technology and government infrastructure, transportation, and then it has a section on our affiliated agencies. Under the five categories, we want to note the, the year over year or the change from, from the previous capital agenda to the new capital agenda. Um, under the category of health and public safety, we have health, police, and fire in the current plan. Um, the previous plan included 36 district court. Um, that was not brought forward in the new plan. Uh, for housing and economic development, we have HRD and planning, and uh, the previous plan included demolition department, and that was not uh, brought forward in the current plan. Um, the previous plan also had Charles Wright and Eastern Market um, included in this uh, section, but that was shifted to the open spaces category. Under the open spaces and recreation category, we have um, GSD parks and our cultural institutions, Charles Wright Museum, Historical Museum, Eastern Market and Zoo. Um, the prior capital agenda included the Detroit Public Library, 
Detroit Public Library is not included in the current plan. Um, technology and government infrastructure, we have uh, do it, uh, GSD facilities, GSD fleet, planning, I mean, excuse me, public lighting department and uh, public lighting authority and DBWSD. Added in the current plan is the Department of Elections and uh, transportation category includes DOT, DPW, parking, and the people mover. Added in this current plan is the airport capital programs. So you see with this chart, we're, we're showing the dollar amounts um, from the previous plan to the current plan. And we're looking at a $1 billion increase in the overall um, capital um, plans presented this year. The capital, the proposed capital plan, um, there are five programs that make up about 70% of this city's capital plan. And that's our water and sewage capital program, our GSD parks, DPW street fund, um, Department of Transportation projects, GSD fleet, um, so those are the five programs, and uh, and you can see the um, change from the previous plan to the current plan um, that amounts to the billion-dollar increase in the um, overall capital program. This chart... Um, discusses and illustrates um, the funding sources that will be utilized for um, our $2.4 billion program. In the current capital agenda, there was not included a summary of funding sources that would kind of help you identify where the dollars are coming from. Um, here we pulled together the information from the various spreadsheets and outlined uh, um, and categorized where the funding sources are. One of the limitations of not having this summary and uh, is that from this chart, you can see we have a lot of combinations of funding sources. So we can't really identify um, where dollars are coming, what specific funding sources dollars are coming from. So we have a mixture of um, funding sources um, that presents transparency issues here. As you can see from this chart, the largest grouping was state and federal grants and others. And so there's a combination of funding sources there um, the problematic areas when you look at PAYGO and others, and PAYGO from this chart is representing 23% of the funding sources. Now, 
pay go is identified pay as you go is really identified as using operating funds for capital purposes. And uh, right now it's totaling 583 million. We know that's not really realistic that we could use those type of dollars, which would be half of our general fund dollars uh, on so-called pay go. Um, so it would be beneficial to the reader and for transparency purposes that we break down our funding sources by specific um, items. And this chart, we're outlining the major projects that make up the capital agenda. Uh, in the proposed agenda, we have $1.3 billion that will be utilized um, from, for water and sewage um, lead replacement line project. Uh, the next line, the demolitions. Um, project that was included in the previous capital agenda is not shown in this capital agenda. Uh, we go with DPW streets and, and roads program and we're seeing a $35 million increase in that program. Uh, again, what's significant here, Joe Louis Greenway project, uh, we see a $125 million increase um, and that project and funding for that project. And we, we, you know, we basically just go down the list. Uh, uh, the DDOT Coolidge facility is, um, you know, included in the program and basically at the same level as the previous plan. We have the neighborhood, neighborhood framework plans, um, GSD, um, consolidation of city yards, GSD fleet, um, DPW street state projects, um, GSD parks, and GSD uh, facility improvements that round out um, the top projects in this capital agenda. So um, in conclusion, uh, again, we want to talk about those um, capital um, programs that were um, not included in the plan that um, we feel should be as it uh, relates to uh, city charter requirements and for transparency purposes. So that includes Detroit Public Library capital program and the demolition department um, plans. Um, those should be included and, and updated. Um, we have some agencies that are were missing their funding sources. And so any project that is included in the five-year plan should have uh, the funding sources identified. Um, to better improve transparency, there should be included a glossary of terms for the various funding sources. And so the previous capital agenda did include all of the various grants and um, philanthropy and private donations, uh, 
and the different uh, operating dollars that will be used for capital. And, and that's really beneficial to the reader of this document to know what type of, of funding sources and, um, that will be utilized. Um, again, uh, combining the funding sources is uh, makes it difficult to determine how much we're really gonna spend from operating dollars for capital programs, um, how much is really coming from state and federal grants or from private sources. And so these should be listed separately where possible. One of the key um, components of a capital improvement plan is that projects should be listed in priority order. And, uh, and that, that is really helps with consistency. And, uh, as we update projects from one capital agenda to another, priorities change. And you need to be able to determine that when you look at the document to determine what is our highest priority and what comes next in case funding, you know, becomes um, unavailable. And that presents my uh, presentation um, for this uh, proposed capital agenda. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Short. Uh, and I don't know, Mr. Corley, you wanna add anything? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Ms. Short is being very humble. Um, she used to work in the budget department, and one of her main roles was to prepare the capital you know, agenda in the past. And as you can see, she was very uh, astute in determining where there was a lack of information, just to see it plainly. Um, but we appreciate the administration you know, addressing our questions so that for transparency purposes, the citizens can have a greater idea and understanding what the capital agenda is all about. Um, we know that the city needs capital improvements. Um, however, funding sources will be uh, a challenge in the future. We know that ARPA money can be used for certain things, but that money is going to you know, dry up pretty soon. Um, we know that there are state and federal dollars that could be made available for certain projects, um, but you can't totally rely on federal and state you know, um, resources as we know. And so the, the, the capital agenda does not also project when there would be another general obligation bond sale. Um, because of the volatility in the bond market right now, I guess the administration does not want to put too much detail out there about that, and, I, and we get that. Um, but at some point, we're going to have to go to the bond market and issue bonds to, you know, pay for some of these capital agenda um, um, items. So... And then also in um, LPD, let's say the policy division, we have another report that's coming out that's going to be on next week's uh, budget financing audit uh, agenda. And that report is going to give you a policy perspective of the capital agenda. So just to let you know about that as well. But thank you. Thank you, Mr. Corley. And I appreciate that information. I was going to uh, say, Ms. Short, definitely appreciate uh, you being so thorough. Uh, and, and providing your recommendations uh, as well. And before I go to questions, I see Mr. Todd has his hand raised as well. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I did leave out one item which Mr. Corley uh, began to allude to, and that is that forthcoming report uh, 
that will you will receive next week from LPD providing the overview. Uh, beyond that, you will get an even more detailed review once the Planning Commission has completed its deliberations, and we anticipate them finalizing uh, their recommendation at their meeting on the 19th and then getting that report to you the following week. So that will go a little bit deeper in terms of its uh, review and analysis of some of the specific projects and provide you with a little bit more historical narrative uh, as it concerns some of them. Uh, so just wanted to make sure you were aware of that as well. Thank you. And uh, before I move on to members, just a quick question relative to the timeline and, and procedure-wise, uh, Mr. Todd. The public hearing will be held uh, in a committee of the whole, correct? Mr. Chair, that is one of the finer points that we leave up to each uh, council uh, when this comes about. Uh, it, in the past, used to be held uh, pretty consistently before the Committee of the Whole, uh, but uh, not long after council entered into this new committee structure that it is under uh, currently, the practice had been to leave it at budget finance and audit in that your rules provide for the expanded budget finance and audit committee when you were doing budget review. That expanded committee form has been used for the capital agenda, or it has simply been a regular meeting where, uh, as is also your practice, you'll notice that a full council may be there. So that may be something that uh, you and the committee members want to discuss among yourselves or take to the council president and the full council to see just how you would like to, to proceed. But the cadence of uh, meetings, uh, the timeline that I have produced has been consistent with uh, the previous three cap two capital agendas, I believe, where the meetings had been uh, with the public hearing and the primary deliberation had been seated here in budget finance and audit. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Todd. Uh, members, any questions? Okay, uh, hearing none, Ms. Short is very thorough, uh, straight to the point. Uh, I will note that uh, those are uh, those recommendations are uh, questions that I had that I am going to submit uh, relative to the transparency uh, for priorities uh, when it comes to the capital agenda. I think that's really good for us just to know. Uh, it helps us with our decision making and to be strategic, uh, not just this budget cycle, but again, as Mr. Corley uh, uh, mentioned uh, in the next five years or so uh, as we look at remaining fiscally stable. So uh, those questions, you know, we will submit as well uh, from our office uh, and hope. I uh, don't know if I'm here five years from now, but hope on the next one that we have that included within the next capital agenda. So uh, but thank you very much for your thoroughness. Uh, members, do I have a motion uh, to receive and file line item 6.7? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 6.7 will be, will be received and put on file. Thank you very much, Mr. Todd. Ms. Short. Uh, next, we move to line item 6.8, submitting a report relative Here. submitting a report relative to uh, the report on major financial issues of DWSD and GLWA, otherwise known as GLEWA. Uh, issues of the Detroit Water Here. and Sewers Department and its financial relationships with the Great Lakes Water Authority. Uh, and this is what this is relative to. Uh, I see you have your hand raised, Mr. Todd. 
My apologies, Mr. Chair. Yes, I, before you ended the previous item, I just wanted to get your or the committee's determination with respect to those immediate timeline items, how you would like to proceed. Would you like to go with having all questions, concerns, and possible uh, alterations to the documents submitted to us by the end of next week and, and then prepare that first resolution uh, for action on the 23rd? I'm sorry, on the 24th? Yeah, and and I have and just so you know, I have received your email as well, Mr. Todd. Uh, I was going to have uh, members of this committee's office have the, the uh, time to uh, decide and get that to you by the end of the day. Oh, thank you, sir. Just wanted to be clear. No problem. Sorry for I the appreciate you. I appreciate All right. You. Thank you. Uh, again, moving on to line item six point seven. Uh, members, do I have a motion to discuss line items? I'm sorry, not 6.7, 6.8. Do I have a motion to discuss line item 6.8? Motion. Okay. Uh, Mr. Corley, uh, who do we have uh, today to talk about the major financial issues of DWSD and GLEWA? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. So we had a report on before City Council on this issue, and I would like for John Alexander of our staff to uh, join us and Unfortunately, I, we do not have a PowerPoint, but we figure the uh, report, you know, has charts in it. And so if we can use those charts um, as the foundation of our presentation. It, it should work. Okay. If it's okay with you. Yeah. Mr. Alexander and Mr. Todd, I see you have your hand still raised. Thank you, sir. Uh, could we please promote Mr. Alexander for line item 6.8? Mr. Chair, unfortunately, I do not see Mr. Alexander in the queue. Mr. Corley, is it possible he could be under another name? Um, shouldn't be. Um, yes, John Alexander. Okay, well, uh, we will come back to this item. Uh, members, we have a motion to come back to line item 6.8 to the uh, at the end of the agenda. Motion. Okay. Next, we'll move on to line item 6.9, submitting a report relative to the American Rescue Plan Act ARPA fund status as of November 30th, 2022. Uh, members, I would ask that we can take lines items 6.9 and 6.12 together. Uh, noting that line item 6.12 is the ARPA fund status as of October 31st, 2022. Motion. Okay, and do I have a motion to discuss both line items 6.9 and 6.12? Motion. Okay. Uh, Mr. Corley, uh, we are here now at our ARPA uh, fund status. Uh, members of the public always ask uh, these questions. As you uh, were here for public comment earlier, there was a question relative to our ARPA fund status and so please give us uh an update uh for uh october 31st ending date and november 30th ending date relative to our opera fund status thank you mr chair um the report on the american rescue plan act or opera fund status as of october 31st um i'll, I'll start there and um, we know that the city of Detroit was awarded $826.7 million in opera funds in uh, 2021. Uh, city Council 
uh, of that time, um, put the monies into 15 different appropriations of different, di di 15 different buckets. So um, also, I'm sorry, we should be joined by Floyd Stanley. I apologize, Floyd Stanley and LPD. He has a PowerPoint that uh, we can follow as I go over the reports. So we can add Floyd Stanley, that'd be great. Mr. Leonard, please promote Mr. Floyd Stanley <clears throat> and give him sharing capabilities. Mr. Stanley has been promoted, Mr. Chair. Mr. Stanley, are you with us? Maybe he's having some connection issues. Uh, Mr. Leonard, does it show Mr. Stanley is connected? I'm showing Mr. Stanley is muted. Mr. Stanley. Well, well, when he comes on, Mr. Corley, we'll, we'll plug him in. But for the meantime, if you'd like to proceed, please go ahead. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, so as of October 31st, 2022, the city encumbered $203 million uh, for vendor contracts and spent $42 million um, 27 million was spent in fiscal 2022, and um, the other 19 million was spent in so far fiscal 2023. Um, so we want to note that through October 31st, the city spent 5.1 percent of the 826 million dollars in opera funds while 25% of these funds have been encumbered for future opera vendor contracts. Um, and so when Mr. Stanley does join us, we will show a graph that, that shows that. But I will go to the um, November status report and then make a couple of comments. So now going to the um, opera status report as of November 30th, 2022, um, as of November 30, 2022, the city encumbered $213 million in vendor contracts. That's about an additional uh, $9 million that were encumbered. Um, the city spent about $48 million uh, of the opera dollars. And so through November 30, the city spent about 5.8 of the $826 million in opera funds and about 26% of the funds were encumbered for future opera vendor contracts. So the general uh, comment I want to make is that um, obviously the level of spending is still very low. You know, we're looking at 5 6%, and um, it is a little concerning. 25% um, or 26% of the numbers have been encumbered. So my understanding is that as of December 31st, 2024, all of the opera money, the $826 million, has to be encumbered for contracts. Then the monies have to be spent by December 31st of 2026. So I reached out to uh, Ms. Stoudemire, uh, oh, that's Mr. Stanley. <laughs> um, Mr. Stanley, if you can uh, pull up, please, the, the November 
um, PowerPoint. That's that's this use November, and I can just walk through that again real quick. Uh, go to um, slide three in the November. That'd be great. Yes, I reached out to uh, Ms. Stoudemire, as, as we know, has uh, represented the administration on ARPA, and she in informed me that the ARPA working group, which encompasses council offices as well as LPD, will um, reunite um, probably this month. Uh, and that working group is important because the administration shares with the working group their plans for the usage of the ARPA dollars. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we definitely need to hear more from the administration. I know, Mr. Chair, too, you, you've had several discussions with uh, the administration on certain projects involving ARPA dollars. So hopefully we can resume those as well, because I think that, that's important for the public to know. But the fact that we only spent about 6%, you know, and now we're in 2023, I know that these dollars are heavily vetted. They have to make sure, the administration has to make sure that when we spend these dollars, they are in accordance with federal guidelines. And we have two contractors, uh, UHY and uh, AACOM, to help the administration, you know, vet that, to make sure that they are in compliance with federal guidelines. Um, but, you know, as, as we know, citizens are, they're concerned, you know, how are these dollars impacting the citizens in the city of Detroit? And largely, they're not, unfortunately. So, um, Mr. Stanley, are you able to get um, page three of the November? It should be on the screen, Mr. Corley. Okay. Yeah, we're not seeing it yet, but um, we we do have, Mr. Chair, our word, you know, uh, reports online, so you know the citizens can see that. Um, but that that's it right now. You know, it'd be great if you can reach out, you know, with um to um, Miss um, Sotomayor, um, Miss um, Megan Elliott, who's in charge of grants and and yeah, grants and, and and just have them to give an update as to their plans on how they're going to come before the city council on a more quicker basis to get these dollars out for the community. Okay. And thank you, Mr. Corley. And uh, could you please just really quickly let us know or let members of the public know where they can find this online? Yeah, so uh, they can go to City uh, Trace website, go to city council. Then under city council, you will go to the legislative policy division and then uh, in that um, link, you should find our reports, and you should be able to find these reports. And, and to your comment, we do plan to resume uh, the, re the rest of ARPA discussions that we had. I think we only had a couple of departments that were left. However, in the interest of budget season approaching, and we're getting ready uh, into deciding what our, our new budget will be, uh, we're going to take a deeper dive into ARPA before those uh, discussions happen as well. So uh, looking forward to that. We will reach out to the OCFO uh, and reach out to Ms. Stoudemire uh, to come and give us a fund status prior to before us getting into uh, budget season so we know where we are, what is available to spend, uh, and what we have left. Uh, what I will say in regards to that and uh, the spending of ARPA, uh, I, I do have a question uh, as you mentioned, 
uh, obviously it has to all be encumbered. The previous council encumbered a majority of those dollars uh, based off of projects and pots of money that they put it in, uh, which can be considered encumbered. Uh, but as we talk about spent by 2026, uh, just for clarity, does that mean that those contracts have to be exhausted with that money by that time if it is utilized with ARPA dollars? That is my understanding, Mr. Chair. And so, yeah, the administration needs to provide a, a robust plan on how we get to that point because, as we know, these, these years go back pretty quickly, and we don't want not a penny of these dollars, opera dollars, to go back to the federal government. So, And strategically based on, and to that point, strategically based on those contracts, um, you know, timing is everything. And so yeah. uh, if there is a deadline and a hard deadline date of when money has to be spent, then obviously there will be a cutoff point relative to the approval of contracts that will come before us based on what the end date may be. So it's very interesting, and, and, and we'll pose those questions in our ARPA discussion as we get deeper because we're getting closer uh, to 2024. So uh, those uh, discussions are very prevalent. Uh, members, any questions? Okay. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Corley, and, and members of the public, please note you can find this uh, online, this presentation online. Do I have a motion to receive and file line items uh, 6.9 and 6.12? Motion. Okay, hearing no objections, line items 6.9 and 6.12 will be received and filed. Thank you very much. Next, we move to line item 6.10, submitting a report relative to the Legislative Policy Division Community Outreach Ordinance District Community Budget Priorities Virtual Forum Report. On October 2020, the City of Detroit enacted the Community Outreach Ordinance to demonstrate the City's commitment to community outreach that promotes transparency and accountability and ensures community awareness on legislation, contracts, agreements, and resolutions related to citywide proposals and neighborhood class A through D proposals as defined by the ordinance. The citywide proposal includes all initiatives considered by city council rel relating to the mayor's annual recommended budget bond proposals and citywide non-motorized urban transportation plan and citywide park improvement plan and ballot initiatives that are led by either the administration or city council. Members, I have a motion to open up line item 6.10 for discussion. Motion. Okay. Uh, who do we have uh, to talk about line item 6.10, Mr. Corley? Um, we have uh, Ms. Short again. Okay. Um, we provided a report, and Ms. Short, along with um, Dr. Terrio, uh, helped out, and uh, I think Mr. Ed King and the LPD staff uh, to put this report together. So Ms. Short can uh, present. Okay. Thank you for all your hard work. Welcome back, Ms. Short. Thank you. Uh, please, uh, please proceed. Uh, Mr. Chairman, in compliance with the Community Outreach Ordinance, the city held uh, community outreach meetings in each district during the October 2022. The meetings were hosted by the Department of Neighborhoods District Managers, and they were attended by this honorable body and their staff, uh, representatives from various department agencies as well as, you know, our residents and uh, community. Um, the Office of Budget uh, Director and Deputy Director uh, presented an overview of the budget process 
and they um, also discuss pertinent uh, information from the current budget. This year, um, we, the Office of Budget presented a new approach to the process. Uh, they began with uh, their public budget meetings being held the uh, first uh, two weeks of October, where they've got to, uh, according to city charter, uh, present uh various departments, that's a requirement to present various departments for um, to the public regarding um, and get their in, the public input on these various departments' budgets. And so we did that at the beginning. And then um, from there, they went into the uh, community district meetings and so that the budget information was fresh with the public. And we found that uh, this was a good process um, to utilize. We did, we, we observed that there weren't as many questions on the budget process as it had been in the past with uh, combining the two um, processes, the public budget meetings with the uh, community outreach meetings. So our results that we observed were that our, the top priorities basically remained the same from the previous year. Um, with the top five priorities for this October 22 were housing issues, um, safe neighborhoods, city services, community outreach, services for uh, certain uh, groups, like our seniors and our disabled residents, um, improvements for parks and recreation and infrastructure improvements. And so again, um, we've, we've, we've had basically the same priorities. There may have been some shifting from the previous year, um, but uh, citizen concerns um, in these areas still remain uh, paramount. Uh, again, um, as we uh, look, uh, just gonna step back a moment and go back to the one of the new approaches with this is that uh, if you remember, uh, we had uh, the community meetings held uh, in January last year. And uh, again, that was moved up and combined uh, this year. So uh, the community meetings uh, going forward will be held uh, during budget development process, um, I'm assuming in October. But going back to the top priorities, uh, housing continue to rank um, as a top concern of affordable housing, home repair grants, home ownership opportunities uh, continue to be um, at the forefront of citizens' concerns. Uh, safety being uh, more police patrols in the neighborhoods and uh, safe spaces for children to play were um, again, top concerns. Under city services, residents uh, voice 
their concerns about the lack of responsiveness um, from departments to their complaints. And residents also um, wanted more accountability, accountability from the city and also for businesses and neighbors to maintain their properties. Uh, community outreach, again, there's disconnect between um, what citizens believe are their priorities and how they actually see these priorities reflected in the budget. Um, looking at uh, 2021 results, uh, we have our community outreach being the number one um, priority, followed by housing and safety, right to counsel and infrastructure. So not going into uh, the results in the diff different districts, I just wanna go to our recommendation. Um, we're recommending that there be an update to the outcome budgeting process. In fiscal year 2021, the outcome budgeting was uh, introduced and this is um, the process where we have resource-oriented versus outlay-oriented focus on the budget. And we're looking at performance measurements, um, answering the question, did the money the city spend meet the goals and objectives for um, that expenditure? Residents have voiced their concerns about the inclusion of their priorities and the budget and what were the resorts. And so um, back in 2021, the administration indicated that the impact of outcome budgeting would be beneficial to the public and to policymakers and agency leaders and that it would provide transparency in city expenditure spending and uh, re result in uh, facilitating priority setting for the city. And so we're just recommending that uh, we have the administration come in and kind of update us on this process. Um, 21, it started as a pilot program. And so how are we doing um, as far as linking citizen um, concerns with uh, budget um, activity and then the results of those uh, expenditures? And that concludes my presentation on the community outreach report. Thank you very much, uh, members. Any questions? Chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, just one brief question: wondering um, how were residents notified of time, location, and details to participate in these meetings? I think uh, through the chair. Um, I think that question would be best answered by the Office of Budget. Um, we were made aware through, uh, you know, receiving um, email 
and uh, information. I believe there was information distributed to the recreation centers, but I'm not certain. So uh, Office of Budget would be better uh, to respond to that. Okay, understood. Uh, it just it'll just be good to know and, and for the public to know that they are notified and and in which ways um, they're notified so that they can also stay abreast and and engaged um, in these conversations. Um, Mr. Chad, I don't think we have anybody um, to answer the question. If not, that is okay. Um, but I think it's important information for the public to know um, if we ever if we ever do get get, get that information. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero, and I will note, obviously, they weren't prepared, um, but I, I would recommend either putting it in writing or if you want to continue a discussion on this, we can do so next week, uh, and, and so we can have somebody on the table and, and talk specifically about the report. I'm not adverse to bringing this back if you'd like to do that. Um, it's a simple question. If we can have someone here next week to review, that would be, that'd be lovely. Thank you. Um, so if that's the case, um, Mr. Chair, whenever you're ready, um, I'm happy to offer the motion to bring this back in one week. Okay. Uh, are there any objections to bringing this back in one week? Okay. Before, uh, there, there's, discussion? A, there's a your discussion on the motion? Yeah. No. I Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. I want to discuss. I want to ask a question. So is it too late for that or? You can still discuss it, but the discussion is on the motion because the motion was made. So, but you can oh. still ask the question. Uh, after we move the motion, yes, sir. Okay, well then let's move the motion then. No, no, you can still ask your ask your question. Oh, so asking now? Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you. Um, excellent job, uh, as always. Appreciate you, uh, ma'am. I just wanted to ask you: uh, Was there, as a result of getting this, is there any action plans that we can look forward to receiving? Anything that we can look forward to receiving in terms of improving it um from <clears throat> a budget standpoint is there any is there any action plans or any recommendations in terms of how many people would need to be hired and how much would that cost in order to improve some of the services because i was reading here that saying that basically people were unsatisfied with the responses that they were receiving in terms of when they're calling for certain services and so I just want to know, was there an action plan? Is there a recommendation or anything that would be associated with this? Or is this just primarily just gathering information from the citizens? Um, through the chair, um, thank you, Councilman Young, for that question. That kind of leads me back to the previous question. So the Office of Budget has a website and they're continually collecting um, citizen um, comments and concerns. The Office of Budget will also present their own report that should include some follow-up action plans and um, information of that, that nature. Uh, so there is further discussion that will um, continue this process. Um, this, this report presents LPD's observation of the meetings and uh, the citizen uh, raising the citizen concerns. And so that is, has also been captured by the Office of Budget and will be presented to you uh, later. Um, I believe last year they presented their report with the budget. 
Um, so I don't have the timeline for this year, but you should be receiving additional information. Excellent. Thank you. Then another question I want to ask you, is there an actual dashboard that we would show that kind of just shows the progress in terms of what this is so that the citizens can actually see this and track this? So it's like, you know, this is the amount of complaints that we received this year, last year. And this is what we these are the issues that we've solved. And then next year, <clears throat> this is the amount of complaints that we received. And this is the amount of issues that we resolve. Just so people can understand that there is a actual uh, growth pattern or metric that we're measuring these and we're responding to these. And this is what we did. And it's because of what you said to us, which allowed us to form an action plan, which allowed us to accomplish these things. So not only are you showing that there's progress in terms of what we're doing, you're also showing that because of their engagement, we are actually now improving our services and are becoming more inclusive, more involved in a better city because of that. Do you have a dashboard that kind of shows that at all or no? Through the chair, uh, I don't believe there's a dashboard, but okay. that's an excellent question for okay. the administration as they present their report. Okay. Yeah. That's and, all. Thank you. I'm done. No, go ahead, Mr. Yeah, and Vice Chair, yeah, I will note that we're going to, there's a motion on the floor to bring this back in one week. And right. so any additional questions, we'll be sure to reach out to. Uh, the necessary uh, uh, departments, OCFO, Office of Budget, uh, so they can not only uh, address members, uh, member Santiago Romero's questions, but yours as well. So uh, there's a motion on the floor to bring back line item 6.10 in one week. Are there any objections? Hearing none, that action shall be taken. Line item 6.10 will be brought back in one week. Next, we will move to line item 6.11. Uh, this is submitting a report relative to the Neighborhood Improvement Plan bond proposal in fund status as of September 30th, 2022. Uh, again, this uh, report is intended uh, to give an update about uh, proposal in, which was approved $250 million in unlimited tax obligation bonds for the purpose of paying the cost of neighborhood improvements in the city of Detroit through rehabilitation, demolition, and blight remediation. Uh, the City of Detroit's Demolition Department is responsible for using proposal in NIB bonds, or I'm sorry, funds to uh, demo demolish an, an additional 8,000 blighted homes and preserve 6,000 homes for future renovation and sale to improve the safety, value, and health of the neighborhoods in the city. Uh, is there a motion to discuss line item 6.11? Motion. Okay. Uh, we will discuss line item 6.11 very briefly. <laughs> Uh, as we are approaching uh, uh, the next hour. Uh, so, Mr. Corley, who do we have to discuss line item 6.11? Uh, Mr. Chair, I'll lead that discussion. It looks like we have the PowerPoint up, uh, which is great. So um, that is the um, PowerPoint, and, of course, that will be made available to the public on our website. Um, so this report is a status report of the Neighborhood Improvement Bond Plan Bonds as of September 30th, 2022. And other $250 million in bonds, um, $175 million was sold in February 2021. We did receive a successful uh, bond premium on that, about $31 million. So that's why we have a total of $206 million available for the demolition and the stabilization program. Um, and that's, that's great, Mr. Um, Mr. Um, Stanley, you can stay right there on that slide. So as of September 30th, 
$52 million um, was encumbered from the $26 million in um, bond dollars, um, and about six, $71 million of that was spent. And so we have about uh, $64 million of that $70 million uh, spent on demolition contracts, and we have about $83 million remaining moving forward. And so from a percentage perspective, we've spent uh, about 34% of the $26 million in bond um, funds for demolition and stabilization, and um, about 25% has been encumbered, and which means we have about 40% that's available. Uh, you can go to that. Yeah, that's, that's good right there, um, Mr. Stanley. And so you can see from this slide that, um, again, um, you got the funds available, 40%. Um, you got demolition expenditures and payroll expenditures. That's about 34%, and about 25% was encumbered. Um, my understanding that, according to the administration's uh, website, by, by last month, by December, 3,000 structures have been demolished under the program, and about over 1,200 um, homes have been stabilized. And so when we say stabilized, that means um, either there was a roof repair that was done or debris that was removed um, um, and, or there was um, boarding up of the property to maintain it for future uh, sale. And so we're going to be working on our December 31st report um, within the next month so that you can get a, a, a quicker update on what's going on with these dollars. Um, and um, we know that through the Public Health and Safety Committee, a lot of the contracts for the demolition and stabilization comes through for councils of, of, you know, review and approval. Um, it looks like, you know, the administration is uh, doing its best to utilize these dollars uh, for demolition and stabilization. So, so that, that should do it for now. Thank you, Mr. Corley. And I, I will note just when we talk about demolition as well, again, when we talked about the capital agenda, uh, that you see that amount for the proposed capital agenda wasn't in there, and, and most of that is because the proposal in has passed since the last capital agenda plan was implemented. So, yeah, good point. Uh, members, are there any questions? All right. Hearing none, do I have a motion to receive and file line item 6.11? Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 6.11 will be received and put on file. Next, we will go back to line item 6.8 as we had put that to the end of our agenda. Line item 6.8, again, submitting a report relative to the report on major financial issues of DWSD and GLEWA, Great Lakes Water Authority. Uh, do I have a motion to discuss line item 6.8 again? Motion. Okay. Uh, Mr. Corley, do we have the necessary uh, people online? If not, we can bring this back. Let's please bring it back, and uh, we'll have a PowerPoint for you next week. Okay, thank you, Mr. Corley. Thank you. Uh, members, we have a motion to bring back line item 6.8. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, line item 6.8 will be brought back. Pardon me. Uh, do I have a, a date of which we'll bring back on one week? Uh, or do I have a motion to bring back line item 6.8 in one week? I didn't specify the date. Pardon motion. me. Motion. Okay, hearing no objection, we'll bring back line item 6.8 in <laughs> one week. All right. That brings us to the end of our agenda today. 
uh, thank you for your patience, members. Okay. We will move to, yeah, Chair, Chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero. Um, I might have missed this. Did we discuss 6.12 along with um, the earlier ARPA discussion? Okay, thank you. Yep. And just to note, we took line items and made the motion of 6.9 and 6.12 together. I know it's been a very long agenda. Right. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Thank you. I just had one quick question. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, <clears throat> I quit. Mr. Corley, I, I, I just wanted to ask you, uh, is there any word about the $24 million that we received from Lansing in terms of what, where that money is? Have we spent it yet? Do we still have it? What's going on with that? Yeah, Mr. Chair, that's one of our questions to the administration. That's for the general retirement system mm -hmm. that you're talking about. Yeah, so we asked that question, and uh, there's no update at, at, the, at the moment. So. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank All you, right. Chair. I'm done. Yeah. Next, we move on to member reports. Chair recognizes Member Santiago Romero. Nothing to report. Thank you, Member Santiago Romero. Chair recognizes Vice Chair Young. Negative report. Thank you, Vice Chair Young. A negative report for me. That being said, uh, we will see everyone next week. Uh, no other business to come before this committee. Uh, we will stand adjourned at the call of the chair.